Hello. I'm Carlette Spike, writer and assistant editor for Princeton Alumni Weekly, and welcome back to the podcast. This is the commencement edition. Today, our guest is Nicholas Johnson, the valedictorian for the class of 2020. In addition to this achievement, Johnson has also made history as Princeton's first Black valedictorian. Let me say that again. He's Princeton's first Black valedictorian. Originally from Montreal, Canada, Johnson is an operations research and financial engineering concentrator who is pursuing certificates in statistics and machine learning, applied and computational mathematics, and applications of computing. This summer, he will be interning for the D.E. Shaw Group and will be pursuing his Ph.D. in operations research at MIT in the fall. But first, Johnson will be delivering the valedictory address at Princeton's virtual commencement ceremony on May 31st. That's a lot. (laughs) Welcome, Nicholas. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. I have to say congratulations on all of your achievements. Um, How does it feel and how does it feel to be making history? It's extremely overwhelming and a lot to take in, but also very empowering at the same time. Uh, Being valedictorian, firstly, is uh, very rewarding. Um, It's an incredible uh, achievement and also very much an honor for me to have the privilege to address my class on the day of our commencement. And then beyond that, being the first black valedictorian in the university's history is uh, is extremely empowering in and of itself, uh, particularly given uh, Princeton's history. I think it says uh, a lot that Princeton now has a black valedictorian given given uh, the nature of the university's history. However, the fact that it has taken this long for there to be a black valedictorian does also show how far we still need to go. Absolutely, I totally agree. It's a big deal. I mean, we were talking in the beginning that you are all over the news. Uh, you have been on Twitter, I've seen Michelle Obama and Oprah Winfrey share congratulatory tweets towards you. I mean, how does all that attention feel? <laughs> it feels uh, great to have uh, that kind of support from such significant figures, people who have done so much for the world and left uh, such a positive impact, particularly when, when Michelle Obama uh, retweeted my message that really just made my day um, on a day when I was particularly stressed uh, between uh, academic responsibilities and the media requests. Um, so it was really, it was really, um, it was really uh, enlightening to to see her to see her share that message. Um, and it is, I, I feel very fortunate. I've been afforded a very significant platform, and I hope to use this platform to uh, to inspire uh, people who look like me um, and uh, people uh, people in the in the world just to have the confidence to. Uh, pursue their dreams and also to to fight passionately for the world. Right. So nice to switch gears a little bit. um, We're going to kind of go back to the beginning of your time at Princeton, but what first interested you in coming to the university? There were several things that, that drew me to Princeton. Um, One of the, one of the most uh, significant things that, that attracted me was the focus on undergraduate education. Uh, that was something that had been sold to me by uh, Princeton representatives I'd spoken to, uh, alumni, uh, alumni, and uh, my academic advisors who were familiar with with uh, Princeton and some of its peer institutions. 
And that focus on undergraduate education is something that I've really had the opportunity to benefit from over my years at Princeton. I've had the chance to work very closely with many professors on uh, many of my research projects and also on some of my coursework. And I really, I really doubt that I would have had that same opportunity had I gone to uh, a different uh, institution for my undergraduate education. Uh, Princeton has, has a gorgeous campus, that goes without saying. Uh, that really sold me the first time I, I visited. Um, and uh, Princeton's international student body, um, a very diverse international student body, has also really been uh, a, formative, a formative part of my Princeton experience. Many of my closest friends uh, come from uh, communities and cultures around the world that I had no familiarity with uh, before starting my undergraduate curriculum and having conversations with them about their upbringing. Uh, has been uh, very, very influential in my Princeton experience. Nice. So it's been four years. Um, I know there's probably a lot of different things that have happened over your time, but if you could talk a little bit about your experience on campus and if there's any highlights or moments that really stand out to you. Some of, some of my favorite uh, memories from my Princeton experience are uh, the international experiences that I was able to have access to. I spent part of my freshman summer in Peru with Princeton's uh, Engineers Without Borders team. Uh, I spent part of my sophomore summer in the United Kingdom doing an international internship uh, organized by the Office of International Programs, which was a, an incredible opportunity. I got to participate in an exchange program in Hong Kong over uh, spring break during my freshman year. So those international experiences were really incredible um, to, to, to travel to this foreign environment with a group of Princeton students and just engage with, uh, with local students, local community members, and just uh, really, really uh, learn in an unfamiliar environment. Um, I, I really uh, appreciated having access to um, a lot of the guest speakers that Princeton brought in over, over my years. Um, I think that I think that my freshman year, at times, I didn't really appreciate the significance of that opportunity, um, and sometimes was reluctant to you know, drop something I might have had scheduled to attend one of these guest speakers, but starting my sophomore year and beyond, I really started taking advantage of that because it is really incredible access that students are afforded. Great. So on the flip side of that, what would you say has been one of the hardest parts of your journey at Princeton? I, so I grew up in Montreal. I'm very much uh, used to uh, growing up or living in a, a very urban environment. Uh, so I do think that Princeton not being located in a city was something that was uh, certainly something I had to adapt to, something I had to get used to. Also, as, as an international student, uh, there were several um, cultural uh, differences or novel cultural traits that I had to uh, adapt myself to, things that surprised me. For one, uh, many, many uh, American students uh, to this day claim that I have an accent when I speak English, which I'm not, uh, not convinced that that's the case, but uh, I have been told that many times. Um, so that was also one thing that, that I had to adapt to uh, that I wasn't necessarily expecting. Um, living away from home in a foreign country was also uh, a significant burden. Uh, not not being able to see my my family members uh, regularly was was hard on me, particularly during my freshman year. But uh, I was able to uh, adapt to that as I uh, continued at Princeton. Okay. So now that you're at the end of your time at the as a student, and um, 
you know, I'm sure that this has been a big time of reflection, I guess, especially in light of everything that's happened with COVID-19. Um, is there any advice you would give your freshman self or anything you wish you'd done differently? I think that one thing I would have done differently, this is something that I only started doing as an upperclassman, uh, is to be very, uh, both very deliberate in protecting the time that I've set aside to spend with my close friends on campus, and also uh, to be very deliberate in uh, continuing to, to try to get to know as many people in my class as possible, even beyond that period in freshman and perhaps early sophomore year when people are generally particularly social. Um, when I reflect back on my, on my Princeton experience, which is something that I have had to do uh, very significantly while preparing my uh, valedictorian speech, I really do think primarily of uh, significant conversations I've had with both close friends and also acquaintances in my class or in some of the other years that I overlapped with. And I think that a lot of those conversations, a lot of the learning and growth that happened from those interactions will be uh, some of the most significant uh, learning and growth that, that I carry uh, that I carry from my Princeton experience. Right. You mentioned your speech coming up. Um, have you written it? Are there certain themes that you're planning to focus on or things that you want the class to take away? Yes, I've written it, and I pre-recorded it yesterday for the commencement uh, ceremony happening on the 31st. Uh, with respect to what I'm willing to say right now, um, one, one, one message I really hope to be able to convey is a, a confidence to impact the world through building, broadly defined. Um, so when I say broadly defined, I mean building not simply restricted to tangible objects, but, uh, you know, broader, broader, broader concepts, things like building communities, building traditions, etc. Uh, and I really hope to be able to inspire my uh, classmates to have the confidence to go, the, go out into the world and do that, uh, despite the fact that we are graduating into a pandemic, mm -hmm. uh, likely into a recession, uh, really graduating at an unprecedented moment. Okay. So talk to me a little bit about your thesis. Um, what brought you to the topic? You could start there. Uh, a few things brought me to my thesis topic. Uh, firstly, I, uh, as you mentioned, I'm an operations research major, which is a very uh, technical major. And I wanted my thesis to both have a very uh, difficult or interesting uh, technical aspect while also being uh, very applicable to uh, a problem that, uh, that many people can appreciate and that many people uh, you know, might face. Uh, coupled with that, being a very proud Canadian, I wanted to be working on a problem that had very concrete applications in Canada that was very much related to Canadian issues. Um, and, uh, and, and thirdly, I wanted to work on a project that, um, that, that, combined uh, machine learning with applications designed for humanitarian purposes. Uh, so that a combination of those three, uh, those three avenues and also the guidance of my advisor, Professor Miklos Rakes in the Orphi department, led me to eventually identify uh, what uh, I ended up studying, which was uh, looking at a preventative health intervention designed to curb the prevalence of obesity in Canada and looking at how that, that intervention could be modeled as an optimization problem 
uh, and one that could be solved on uh, on large systems. So, so concretely, that would be being able to implement the intervention in a very large community. Mm-hmm. I listened to you on Princeton's We Roar podcast, and you talked a little bit about how there might be connections between what you're focusing on with health in a, the obesity realm of things to possibly maybe connections to what they're doing with research related to COVID-19. Um, could you talk a little bit about those connections and talk about if you're interested in pursuing things related to that or if that's like a new avenue that might be interesting for people studying operational research? Um, yes, absolutely. Uh, you're very right in saying there are, there are some potential uh, connections. So the, the primary connection uh, would be designing a public health intervention with the purpose of increasing adherence to strict social distancing. Uh, so social distancing is arguably one of the best tools we have to fight the spread of COVID-19 presently. Um, however, individuals adhere to social distancing to varying extents. Um, so if, if uh, healthcare practitioners uh, or public health officials wanted to create some sort of community-based uh, intervention to, uh, to, change, uh, the, to, to change the extent to which individuals in the community adhere to social distancing, then a intervention that in fact exactly mirrors the intervention I was, design- I was working with in my thesis for uh, obesity would actually be applicable. Um, and I do think that, uh, I do think that it is potentially a promising, a promising avenue to pursue. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it, it is something that I'm certainly uh, interested in looking at myself. And I, in addition to the media interest, I have had many uh, healthcare practitioners express interest in, in working with me to try and uh, flesh out some of these uh, connections more, uh, more concretely. So I'm really excited about that. Great. Um, I guess kind of sticking with the topic of COVID, but switching to your own experience, um, it goes without saying the class of 2020 has had pretty extraordinary experience related to COVID. Um, You all had to transition or most people had to transition off campus in March and kind of shift gears to online learning. Can you talk a little bit about what that experience has been like for you and um, I know I've talked to lots of seniors that have very mixed emotions about everything. So I'm just curious um, how you've been feeling about it. It has been a very, a very difficult transition to make. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I myself, um, I am fortunate to have been able to come to a home environment in which I do feel like I have a conducive uh, workspace and work environment in which I can I continue to meet Princeton's academic demands. However, that isn't the case for all of my classmates. Um, so this uh, this unfortunate transition that we have had to make to, to fight COVID-19 does unfortunately um, exacerbate uh, existing inequalities uh, among the student body. It has also been very difficult to not, not be able to celebrate these last few weeks of my Princeton experience on campus with, with my close friends, the people who I have spent the past for extremely transformational years of my life with um, on campus as we had anticipated uh, we would do for for several years. Uh, I I am comforted that uh, I have been able to uh, maintain, uh, I myself and many of my classmates have been able to maintain uh, the Princeton community despite our physical distance from one another. I often uh, 
work on Zoom calls with, with my friends. So we would each be working on our own personal homework while being able to see each other across Zoom. And that creates a nice sense of community, a nice sense of camaraderie that, that, that keeps us going uh, despite this unfortunate uh, work, work circumstance. Absolutely. Um, do you plan on coming back for the in-person ceremony next year? Absolutely. I, I can't wait. I can't wait for uh, May 2021. Um, that's really going to be an incredible celebration. I'm so happy that Princeton uh, committed to hosting an in-person celebration for the class of 2020 to recognize our achievement and this, this incredible milestone. And from speaking with uh, many of my classmates, uh, most of them feel similarly excited. Okay, great. Um, I have some broader questions. I guess the first is, who inspires you or who do you look up to? The number of people who inspire me is effectively endless. Mm -hmm. uh, my, my parents come to mind immediately mm -hmm. and my sister as well. I have an older sister. She's four years older than me, um, studying in New York currently. And I really, I really grew up, uh, grew up looking up to her. Um, all of my academic study habits I effectively adopted from, from watching her. And I've really, I admired how she's had the confidence to pursue her passion to uh, the, the, the level that, that she has. She's in the performing arts. Uh, she's in fact been Grammy nominated. She's released uh, an album, currently studying graduate musical theater writing. Uh, so she's really inspired me. Uh, my parents really instilled a strong work ethic in me from a very young young age. Um, and many of many of my close relatives were, were also particularly influential. Um, Beyond, beyond family members, uh, many of the educators I've, I've had the chance to, to learn from and get to know over the course of my journey thus far have been absolutely incredible, incredibly significant. Uh, I think of uh, many of my high school, high school teachers at uh, Selwyn House School in Montreal, um, some of my educators at Marianopolis College, which was also another uh, school I attended in Montreal before starting at Princeton, and several of my faculty mentors at Princeton have been um, absolutely incredible. Um, so th those are those are the people who come to mind immediately. Okay, great. Um, obviously, you do so much. You're incredibly accomplished and work hard. But what do you do for fun and what do you do to relax? I like to play basketball and to play chess recreationally as a way to relax. Um, those are actually two two activities that I'm very passionate about, and two activities that I, uh, in a past life, played uh, competitively, but have now transitioned to um, engaging in them purely as hobbies. Mm -hmm. I'm very much into physical fitness, uh, so I enjoy running um, a lot. Uh, and I do also enjoy reading in my spare time. Uh, it is something that, um, it, is, it is a nice way to, to just uh, detach yourself from the world in some sense and to really let, let, your, mind, let your mind run, uh, let your mind uh, walk freely through, through the book in some sense. Um, so that's also one of my uh, favorite pastimes. Nice. So in the beginning of our conversation, you kind of talked about the fact that given this accomplishment, um, you know, you have a big platform and I'm sure there's students from other schools who are now looking up to you and really proud of your accomplishment. If you could give a message to the class of 2020 as a whole, I guess across the world, if you will, um, <laughs> is there anything that you would say to them or a message that you would hope that they kind of carry on as we talked about before also that they'll be graduating into 
probably the ongoing pandemic and potentially a recession? I think I would say that uh, these, these times are certainly unprecedented, particularly for uh, people in our generation, people younger than us. We've never before seen anything like this. That being said, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic will pass. Uh, provided, of course, that we that we each play our own role in ensuring that ensuring that it does pass, um, and when it does, when it does, in fact, uh, when it does, in fact, pass, I do firmly believe that we will come out of it from on the other side as uh, being more committed, more resilient, and more emboldened to uh, to use our own skills, to use our own personal experiences, and to use our own expertise to play our part in contributing to. Uh, to creating to creating a new normal in the world, mm-hmm. and I am confident that uh, that that the class of twenty twenty will rise to that challenge. Great. So I'll close with an age old question that everybody hates, including myself. But where do you see yourself in five years, or what do you hope to accomplish by then? Five years from now, I hope to have uh, completed my PhD studies at MIT, and I hope to. I hope to have uh, started um, started a venture uh, designed to uh, designed to use state of the art analytics to uh, positively impact uh, likely healthcare or perhaps some other industry. I'm a very strong proponent in entrepreneurship as a way to uh, take groundbreaking ag- academic research, particularly in STEM fields, and make it broadly applicable to the larger public. Uh, so I do really hope that the topic of my PhD thesis is something that leads very ni- nicely into the creation of a venture that I can, uh, that I can use to distribute that work to, uh, to society. Thank you again for coming on the podcast. And I'm really, really looking forward to hearing your address uh, later this month. So thank you. It was my pleasure. Thank you too.